All right. Good morning, friends. My name is Greg DeMay, one of the pastors here, along with Jeff, if I haven't met you before. Uh, it's really good to see so many of you face to face. I'm going to be pastor with sunglasses on because all of a sudden the sun came out. Um, want to recognize that there are at least as many of uh, our fellow congregants and members of our community watching on live stream today. We have some friends from Park Place watching from balconies and in the grass over there. So I think it'd be great to share the love and just kind of like send a cheer up. Woohoo! <laughs> there for sure are good reasons uh, to be right here right now as we are for those of us gathered outside. There are plentiful good reasons not to be out in public, uh, depending where you are in different places in life right now as well. But what we really need, I think all of us, is this sense that we just sang about, that God is here, that God is near to us, that God has something for us in this time and has not neglected his people, but is going to be with us and carry us on. I believe this in my heart of hearts. I have uh, a pretty strong confidence in this, uh, despite what's gone on these last few months, and I'm pretty enthusiastic about what God has in store for us in the days and weeks and months ahead. Now, that word enthusiasm can be a dangerous word, because if you run into somebody who has enthusiasm when you don't have enthusiasm, that is a very annoying person. I mean, have you ever had this where maybe with your roommates or your family members, you agree to have kind of like a house cleaning day? And maybe if it's like a Saturday, everybody's planning to sleep in a little bit. And if there's that one enthusiastic cleaner who gets up and is like, hey, guys, it's 6.30 in the morning. Let's vacuum. Let's get the dishes clean. Let's scrub down the cupboards. Are you swayed by that person's enthusiasm? Are you annoyed by that person's enthusiasm? <laughs> right. The enthusiasts are like, that's what I do. Is that a problem? So here's the thing. The part of God's word for us today comes from Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. If you have a Bible or a phone, want to look it up. Uh, this, this is one of the most enthusiastic portions of the entire scripture. Five times in this passage, God's word says, hey guys, let's do this and fill in the blank. Let's and if you are not in the right frame of mind or frame of spirit, this might sound as appetizing as a bowl of lettuce, right? Pun intended. It's boring, bland, lettuce. However, I believe that these enthusiastic encouragements are exactly what we need right now and are exactly what the Spirit of God wants for us in the season of head. So one of our chief enthusiasts, Pastor Jeff, is going to read each of these let us enthusiastic lines. I'm going to comment just a little bit on each one and trust that even this morning, God will breathe some new life, some new vision into us as a result of hearing his voice through his word. So this is Hebrews 10, verse 22, fire awake line. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. All right. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. This is what this morning is all about. Amen? Coming near to God, drawing near to his people once again, coming close to the heart of God is what spiritual experience is all about. The experience of drawing close to God with heart, with soul, with mind, with strength, 
feeling close to someone can pull us through even the hardest of times. Humanly speaking, if you have even one strong friendship that you know this person is there for you, that you can lean on this person and trust on them no matter what, if you have one family member who you know has always got your back and is going to be there for you, you can make it through anything. Many of us have learned this more deep down in these last few months as we have had to rely on each other's uh, friendship and the bonds of familial love and kindness like never before. If that is true, humanly speaking, with us as small people, it is so much more true of God who has infinite affection, infinite kindness, infinite strength to back us up, infinite support behind all of his children. This is why we need to draw near to God with a sincere heart. So when the Bible says a sincere heart, it means an open heart, a true heart, a tender heart, a soft heart. For these next two services while we're gathered um, outdoors in worship, I really want you to come away with a double barrel image, which I think is how Jesus is calling us to be in this world right now. As disciples of his who have soft hearts or sincere hearts, but tough feet. Okay, soft hearts and tough feet. Many of us have kind of tougher feet at the end of the summer wearing sandals and going around barefoot for a while, right? Think of the reverse of this. Think of a person who has a hard heart or a tough heart, but soft feet, right? A hard-hearted person is not open to other people, is not sensitive, is not compassionate, just closes themselves off in their own experience. And if you have soft feet, it means you take one step on a path that's difficult. And you're like, oh, that feels uncomfortable. I am not taking another step. Like, oh, this isn't going to work for me. I'm just going to stay right where I am. Jesus is asking us to have the polar opposite of that, to be people with compassionate, tender, sincere, soft, open hearts right now, and really, really brutally tough feet. Because the road that we are walking ahead, amen, uh, is not going to be a simple path. And if we give up or just turn around right now, there's going to be ample reason to do that. Uh, we are not going to get anywhere as people of faith. Enthusiasm number two, bring the thunder. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us hold flimsily to the hope we profess. No, unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly, Hebrews 10, 23, to the hope we profess. Now, if you ask the average American Christian, what is the hope that you profess? The average answer would be this. Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins. It's not a bad answer. It's not a bad illustration of what our hope is, but I think we can do better and we need to do better in 2020. Here's why. The cross alone isn't the whole story of good news, right? Jesus died on the cross, but as we know it in a global pandemic, everybody dies. Everybody is mortal. Jesus is not unique in that he died. This will be part of all of our stories. Jesus is unique and Jesus is superior because death could not keep him in the grave. Jesus, Jesus is unique and superior because of the resurrection. So if you want to say something that really stands out in the crowd, if someone asks you like, what is the hope that gets you through this period? What is the hope that lifts your spirit day to day? 
It is great to say something about the resurrection, about following in the footsteps of a God who literally brings dead people back to life. A God who takes horrible situations and brings restoration and something new and promising. Jesus is the leader. He is the first in line, but he is the first in line of where we are all going by faith. Now, in this age, we might be tempted to think that we are on the trajectory of meeting a hopeless end, right? Things are just uh, spiraling down the drain. And if you only listen to the news 24-7, you will feel like we are hurtling toward a hopeless end. If you are following in Jesus' footsteps with a soft heart and tough feet, you will realize that you are on the way to endless hope. There is an eternity of differences between those two things, whether you are going to meet a hopeless end or whether you are on a journey toward endless hope. By faith, we are going the second direction. All right, give us number three. Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. All right, by God's grace, that's what this fall in our faith community is going to be all about, spurring each other on toward love and good deeds. Uh, Klein mentioned a couple things that are coming up just this week. Like, this is why we're going to stuff the bus and serve school kids. This is why, increasingly, as much as possible, those of us who are able to get our hands dirty, and do simple acts like sharing food and passing out food. Like, we want to be the people in Chicago who are absolutely first in line in Jesus' name to do these things. Like, probably all of us, either in our work circles or neighborhood circles or the circles of church community that we have, like, there are going to be these possibilities to start increasingly get our hands dirty. Now, this needs to be a matter of prayer, common sense, discernment, depending how old you are, depending how healthy you are. I mean, situation by situation, we need to be massively uh, intentional about this. A couple other things that we are planning to do this fall. Uh, It had been our intention in 2020, whenever there is a fifth Sunday of the month, to not just gather in worship, but to send our people out into greater Chicagoland to do acts of love and good deeds and simple acts of service. We were not able to do this in March because... Well, you know why. (laughs) There are five Sundays in August. We are hoping on the fifth Sunday of August, on August 30, to gather those of us who can in this parking lot and to send out eight or nine or ten teams to serve and do small, simple acts of uh, service and kindness around the western suburbs. Okay? If this is a doorway that you think, like, this is what my soul needs like to be involved, to get my hands dirty, to be able to do something, awesome. You're going to be invited into this. These are not going to be things that we're looking for publicity for. They're not going to be massive things that are going to make a huge visible difference in the world. It's like Mother Teresa said, there's no great acts. There's only small acts done with great love. So we want to be purposeful about more and more of those small acts done with great love. There's another way for us increasingly to be involved. Um, Wonderfully, a doorway of partnership between um, our community and uh, the Brandywine neighborhood, which is served by the York Community Resource Center, is increasingly opening up. So we have folks who are tutoring there on a regular basis. 
Um, there are many first-generation American kids there. There are many second-generation American kids there. Our community has been blessed with an overabundance of education. And this is a justice issue because there is powerful evidence that you, if, you, if we help every preschooler and kindergartner kind of get on track in terms of cognitive development and academic success, that sets them up for a lifetime of success in these United States of America. And if in Jesus' name, we can be the part of the front line of helping little kids, and we have a long track record, we're no around the community, as loving little kids, that would be a way for us to bring righteousness and justice and create freedom of opportunity for more kids who are living just a mile or two from where we are sitting right here today. So these are not empty words. Let us encourage one another on for love and good deeds. Uh, the doors are increasingly open. All right, the last let us is kind of a two for one. Let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage each other. All right, let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another. So it's awesome that a few hundred of us can be together, literally meeting together face to face. It's awesome that we live in an age, I mean, imagine if it was 1960 right now and no live stream existed. Man, uh, all of our lives would be that much more disconnected, lonely, and painful. We are not gonna give up meeting together. We're gonna do everything we can to gather and push the bounds as appropriately as we can to encourage one another, right? Whether it's here out in the parking lot, we're going to start doing this at least once or twice a month, as long as the weather allows, whether it's staying together on live stream. Um, in so many ways, the model of how we have done church together has gotten blown up, right? As long as I've been alive, I've been able to get together with other people on Sunday morning. That model over the last few months has totally gotten blown up. Spring Hill Camp, meant to be here with like 250 kids a week back in June. That model got blown up. They're going to be here in August with a greatly reduced number of kids and how camp goes down. It's a totally different model of how to experience camp. Every fall, we welcome hundreds of little lambs, preschoolers, to teach and form them in Jesus' name. This fall, it's going to look very different. There's going to be a virtual online version of how Little Lambs happens for those who aren't able or feel comfortable participating. There's also going to be a live version of Little Lambs, but it is going to look totally different than it has ever looked before. Our models are necessarily totally changing. In my mind, this is not necessarily a bad thing. God might be using this time to creatively uh, invite us as a church, to reinvent things, to meet people in brand new ways. Here's what hasn't changed. Our mission, right? All the models, totally getting blown up and changing. Our mission, and what is our mission as the Church of Jesus Christ? To help every single person grow spiritually, to help every single person grow deeper in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus himself. That has not changed that is never going to change, and we're going to find creative, good, new ways of accomplishing exactly that. How are we going to do all of these enthusiastic things? 
How are we going to draw near to God with a sincere heart? How are we going to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess? How are we going to spur one another on toward love and good deeds? How are we going to keep meeting together and encouraging each other? Hebrews 10, 19 and 20 gives the answer and lets us know where our confidence is. Here's how this is going to get done. Because we have confidence to enter the most holy place, God's presence, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Notice that this passage does not say, hey, people, you need to try harder. That is not where our confidence and energy are going to go from. Our confidence comes from Jesus himself, who has opened a brand new way into the presence and the power of God. Some of you may remember that at the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple of Jerusalem was torn from top to bottom. Why does the Bible record that? I mean, the curtain was so tall, no human hand could reach up there. It's as if the hand of God was rending this curtain so that at the moment Jesus died, it was clear that the Holy Presence, the Holy Spirit of God, was no longer contained in the temple of Jerusalem, but was now free to be released into the whole wide world. That's a pretty awesome detail that's in the Bible. Similarly, this passage says that the curtain was not just that fabric temple curtain in Jerusalem, but the curtain was Jesus' body himself. That's a pretty deep spiritual thing to say. We believe that Jesus was 100% human like us and 100% divine. And through his sacrificial death, through the brokenness of his body, Jesus himself was opened so that humanity could come directly into contact with the the divine presence, and so that divinity could come and make its power felt in a brand new way, even in our little human lives. How are we going to get all these lettuce things done? Because Jesus has opened the way, literally, in his crucified and resurrected body. Amen, anybody for this? (laughs) Please don't come away from this gathering thinking like, wow, I need to look up those five lettuce passages and it sounds like we're going to try to do a lot of stuff even though it's really hard right now in the COVID era. That is not, not, not the point. The point is that Jesus sacrificed himself and that the power of God reconstituted him in his divinity and in flesh and blood so that he could be a life-giving power that now inhabits the church and inhabits the life of little people like us, that is where our hope lies. Not in human ingenuity, not in political situations, not in just gutting through difficult times, but through Jesus' resurrection, life-giving power. Let's take a moment, just like 20 seconds, uh, and as a sign that we are helpless and that we need a power beyond ourselves to simply open ourselves and ask the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead to be at work in our lives right here and right now. Lord, we bless your name. 
we honor you, and we invite you to do what only you can do, even in the lives of people like us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you received uh, communion elements on the way in, I'd invite you to take those out right now. You can start uh, opening the bread or wafer portion on the top of that. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks to God in the presence of his disciples, he broke it and said to them, this bread is now my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. So I invite you, friends, to take and eat and remember and believe that the Lord's body was opened on the cross to open a way for us into God's presence. Let's eat together. And after the meal, our Lord took a cup, poured it out in the presence of his disciples, and said, this cup is now a new covenant given for you in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. So together, invite us to take and drink, remember and believe that Jesus' blood was shed and reconstituted to give us soul-enlivening, forgiving power. Let's drink together. Lord, we thank you for these gifts. And with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, we honor you and bless your name. Amen.